Welcome to episode number 190, The Guilt Gap. I don't know if I have mentioned this yet, but I was a high school basketball referee for about eight years while we lived in Utah. Now, I enjoyed the experience, but I've always found baseball to be a better sport, umpire or referee, simply because the fans and parents are further away and behind a fence. I mention the referee hobby specifically to point out something peculiar about how the brain perceives our ability or our capacity. While I refereed many high school games, from time to time I was asked to do church ball. Church ball is where I learned a very important lesson. Our brain does not perceive our capacity in the sense of our true current ability or reality. Frequently, middle-aged men would show up who hadn't played for, let's just say, many years. Their last real experience was probably high school or a little after. In the intermittent time frame, they have gained, they had often gained more than a few pounds and were not in the same physical shape as they once were. However, the most fascinating thing about them is that they fully believed they could play at the same level they once did. Naturally, this caused all sorts of issues, from torn ankles and knees to fouls to those seminal moments when the brain realizes that what used to be easy is now bordering on the impossible. Now, one would think, given the obvious signs of time and aging and a few more than a few pounds, that the brain would eventually realize, hey, I don't think we can play like we used to. Maybe we should consider dialing it back down to a more realistic level of play. But the brain seems to have significant difficulty accomplishing this task. And rather than come to the obvious realization that time and age eventually humbles all men and women, the brain seems to fight back and almost get angry that it can't function in the way it believes that it can. For many individuals, even a significant sprain, break, or muscle tear doesn't change that perception. It's almost as if the brain carries on in its own reality, not perceiving or even taking into consideration obvious facts. Now, this isn't just true for aging men and women who play sports. The problem exists in every brain. Even psychology has studies, studied its effects. For some strange reason, we as human beings have a difficult time creating an appropriate capacity level when it comes to things we can and cannot do or the quantity of things we can accomplish in any given time frame. And our mismatch of true reality and perceived reality causes very serious issues when it comes to our physical and spiritual development. We can view ourselves as much more capable than we really are. When you introduce this problem into a world of mental illness, where capacity can change very rapidly, the problem only appears to intensify rather than resolve itself. If there is one thing I have struggled with and continue to struggle to learn is matching my real capacity with my perceived capacity. And for me, this is both physical and spiritual. Now you might ask, why does it really matter? The answer is simple for those of us who suffer with mental and emotional illness. If we continue to exceed our real capacity, then our illness will continue to cycle out of control. Increasing stress upon a system already out of balance does not bring the system back into balance. In fact, quite the opposite occurs. We tend to get severely out of balance until we can no longer function and our body collapses in exhaustion. Now, given that I have been dealing with some form of mental illness through much of my life and autoimmune diseases, one might think that I would have a much better handle or feeling for my capacity when an episode arises. The truth is, is that I don't think I have improved much in this area. 
It is one of my personal management weaknesses that I have yet to get truly under supervision. It is not that I haven't tried. I have done much better since understanding this capacity gap in my brain, and yet still regularly work. I work past my capacity and cause myself exhaustion and then the need to rest. For me, there is a pressing desire to do more continually. Perhaps one could call that guilt, but I like to think of it more as a pressing desire. It seems that my mind does not factor mental illness into the equation of my capacities. My mind's experience is that previously I possessed a certain capacity, and it projects that capacity into my future. Now, while I am not 30 years old anymore, my mind tends to think in that level of capacity. When an episode arises, the mind or my mind has already calculated my capacity and the work to be done. When depression, anxiety, PTSD, and other mental illnesses get in the way of that capacity and limits my ability, I create a gap. This is what is called for me, or I call it, the guilt gap. The gap is the difference between my perceived capacity and my real capacity. The greater the difference, the greater the guilt. Now, this is especially true with habits and patterns we have formed in our lives. Now, I'm going to take a quick side journey for those of you who might not have listened to other episodes. Our brain has only one good processor, and so it creates habits, so it doesn't need to run everything we do through the processor. Our brain needs shortcuts to function properly. Habits are routines that the mind knows so well it doesn't need to process them in the thinking portion of the brain. Now, the most common evidence of this is driving for miles and not realizing anything that has passed by you because you were lost in thought, meaning you were using the processing part of your brain for thought rather than driving because most of the driving has become habit to you. When we form habits, the brain doesn't want to rework them. That costs precious thinking time and power. So when we have created a routine of work, whether that is at home or a job, we tend to stick closely to this routine. When we deviate, the mind has to think about it. It must rework the sequence. Now, if you brush your teeth at the same time every night for the last couple of years, you will probably feel guilty not doing it one night. Are your teeth going to fall out? Not likely. You're going to get a cavity? Probably not. Missing one night probably wouldn't cause you any real issues. But have you ever, ever tried to convince your brain that isn't true? That guilt is the difference between perceived capacity and those normal habits and routines you do every day and our real capacity. So when we deviate from what the mind expects us to accomplish, we feel guilt. Now we can extend that idea to a, a variety of routines. Going to church, for instance. Now let's say you've always attended all of your meetings and have been an active participant. However, depression has come into your life. And going to church is difficult, even exhausting for you. Your routine is to attend every meeting and participate. But doing so leaves you entirely spent. Your true capacity, the capacity that will not cause your depression greater stress, is to attend sacrament meeting only. However, your perceived capacity is your normal routine, which is to get up early read scriptures for an hour, and then attend to all your meetings, which includes participation in those meetings. But when you attempt to get up early and read, you are falling asleep, barely understanding what you are reading. You really don't have the desire to read or get dressed or shower, and you end up back in bed until you must get up to attend church. You go to church, but struggle to feel anything resembling the Spirit, and you have a heaviness in your chest you just can't shake. You really don't want to answer 
questions. You really don't want to talk. You just want to go home and sleep. But you stay for the entire set of meetings. When it finally comes time, you crash into your bed exhausted. You sleep most of the afternoon, and when you wake up, the guilt starts to take over. And then Lucifer piles onto the guilt train, and you feel like you didn't accomplish anything. You weren't able to read your scriptures. You really didn't participate in church. You slept all afternoon and didn't get any type of service accomplished. You feel that you have failed the Sabbath day entirely. Does this sound familiar? And it's not just that it happened once. It's a continual process of failures. You can't seem to do anything right or complete anything the way your mind believes you should. So now you're going from one failure to another and the guilt just multiplies. It doesn't really help that those around you who are accustomed to your abilities are now making remarks about your inability and the endless disappointing looks are just the guilty icing on the cake. You feel worthless, miserable, and lost. Your life goals just mock you now. You feel as though you have disappointed everyone and life is one big failure. Now it is at this point suicide often rises to the surface. Suicide can feel like the solution to the problem. The guilt is overwhelming and the failure is just too much to handle. This is where your whole world can feel like it is crashing down on you. However, one of the major problems you are facing is actually quite simple. Your mind expects you to have a much higher capacity than you really possess. When you are depressed or anxiety-laden, your true capacity is diminished significantly. The difference between what you believe you should accomplish and what you can really accomplish is causing a significant guilt gap. The guilt gap is something we actually create on our own. It is certainly not the Lord that causes us to feel this way. Often we as members of the church focus heavily on the doing more, the serving more, the praying more, and yes, it is important to measure up to your capacity. But the Lord has never said that you need to run faster than you have strength. In fact, he has said quite the opposite. When mental illness and emotional illness is part of your life, your capacity will change on a regular basis, sometimes day to day. Instead of measuring our celestial life by what we believe we should be accomplishing every day and exhausting our strength, we need to slow down when our illness has taken hold of our body. We need to focus on priorities and what is most important. Everything else can wait to another day. So how to do this really can be quite difficult. Our minds still believe that we need to accomplish everything on our list, and our minds will press upon us to accomplish the list or face the guilt gap. However, when we feel the guilt gap, we should take note as to why we are feeling that way. What is causing us to feel this way? The reality is, is that we should not feel guilty regularly, especially if we are trying to do what the Lord has asked us to do. So if we are feeling this way and we have mental illness, it is often because our capacity is limited, but our mind has yet to understand those limitations. Now, I have found a simple formula for myself that helps me when I get into these difficult moments. First, I recognize the guilt gap problem. I have limited capacity. I need to recognize this so my mind can understand what is occurring. Next, I attempt to break everything into what I call small moments, meaning if I don't want to get out of bed, I tell myself, okay, I'm going to shower and then see how I feel. If I still feel terrible, then I will go back to bed. But after I shower, if I feel that I can do something more, then I pick another small thing to do. I'm going to read a chapter of scriptures and I continue in this small moment pattern until I feel tired and but not entirely exhausted. 
and then take a break, telling myself I will rest for a little while and pick up something to do after that. In other words, I break my day into small tasks and small moments and make sure that I'm not overextending myself. Does this always work for me? No, I go overboard regularly and I still feel that guilt gap, but it does help. However, I also allow myself mercy. This is an important concept. We should allow ourselves personal mercy. I do what I can, and then I do my best to extend myself mercy. In doing this, naturally with the Savior's help, I can cover that guilt gap. As members of the church, we are not in the habit of personal mercy, but it is an important concept for those of us who suffer. I try to look at myself from the perspective of a father or a mother who is watching their child suffer. What would your feelings be if you were watching someone you love suffer as deeply as you do? Think about the mercy you would extend to them. I can promise you that the Lord would extend this mercy, and likely even a greater amount. We need to extend this mercy to ourselves to overcome the guilt gap. No, it doesn't always work entirely, but it does provide comfort and understanding. I have also found that the Lord will confirm the mercy you extend to yourself. Instead of assuming capacity, which by the way is our nature to do, we need to learn to accomplish what we can based on priorities. In the world of demands, as fathers, mothers, spouses, and friendships, we know that there are going to be times when we must extend more effort than we possess. Children need attention and life will cause demands upon us through our relationships and even the need to earn money to survive. However, we can limit ourselves to what is needed. When you are overextending yourself to meet the day's demands, you are already going the second mile and sometimes the third. Keep that in perspective. If you continue to overextend yourself beyond the needs of the day, you know what will happen. You will crash and life will become even more difficult to handle. With mental and emotional illness, we need to keep our life in balance as much or as best as we can. Now, in addition to our personal capacity, we believe that we possess, we believe that we possess, we have another type of capacity our mind evaluates that causes this gap. This is the capacity that we feel others expect of us. Our mind does a wonderful job of keeping track of what others expect that we accomplish. This measurement also leads to the guilt gap and can be even more powerful than our own personal capacity guilt gap. I've struggled deeply with this particular type of guilt. I've always been somewhat of a people pleaser by nature, and my mind does a particularly good job of keeping me informed of what others think I should be doing. When we have created expectations in our lives through other people, it can be difficult to reduce our labor. Not only do we have to deal with our own guilt, but also the disapproving guilt of others. When we struggle with mental illness, there are really there are no real outward signs and we can seem very able-bodied on the outside. And so when we reduce efforts, it can appear as though we are losing our testimony or we are no longer as invested in our relationships. We can appear lazy and incompetent. That is far from the truth, but it is difficult to educate someone that mental illness takes a terrible toll on the mind and body, especially someone who has never before experienced the illness. It is interesting that we expect less of someone who has just lost a companion or friend to death. We give them time to grieve and space to work through the difficulty. When they don't hold up their end of the relationship, we are understanding about it. 
but we don't give the same difference to someone who has a mental illness, which is often far more debilitating. That, fr that is certainly frustrating, but it is reality. Our society and even our church family will not likely understand our limited capacity because of our illness. For me, the answer to this problem has been to communicate. Tell my wife and children when I am having a bad day or week. Now, this helps communicate why I'm limited. Now, I can't do this for my work, as our current society really doesn't view this as a good excuse. And I work in construction, where there is no room for really being sick in any way. But I can limit myself to what I need to do, and to limit the amount of energy I expend. This is matching my capacity to my labor. Otherwise, I know I will end up sick and need to take time off. I've also found that the Lord can be very merciful during these time frames when we must work or accomplish a task. I've mentioned this in the past, but I think it's important to mention it again. When I served as a bishop, I was at times very sick due to my autoimmune issues. There were times when I could hardly get out of bed, yet I knew that certain things needed to be accomplished, and so did the Lord. If I w would do my part and get out of bed and go up to the church, the Lord would provide the energy and ability I needed. I could function normally and accomplish my responsibilities, then once I returned home, my energy would eventually return to my limited capacity. The Lord can and does intervene when we need to accomplish things in our lives, and we are limited by our illness. That is one of the things I learned during my mission to Argentina as well. I was afflicted severely with bipolar at the time and had some rough days, but when we needed to teach, the Lord regularly removed the effects of the illness so that I could accomplish my teaching responsibilities. The key to working with the guilt gap is first our recognition of it. Second, limiting our efforts to the important priorities. And third, allowing the Lord to intervene when needed. Now, we can't just continue to go through our life and say everything is a priority and ask the Lord to make up the difference. That just doesn't work. And I can tell you that out of experience. The Lord desires that we work within the weakness He has given us. It doesn't do us any good if we consistently ask Him to turn it off so we can do whatever we want. Our weaknesses are training tools to help us master some of the more difficult learning experiences we need in this life. The Lord is our guide through them. When we begin working with the guilt gap, we are likely to fail regularly. But over time, we can develop a relationship with the Lord that provides significant benefits, and we can learn to trust and work within our weaknesses. My one major concern with my weaknesses is that my children would eventually be affected by it that my lack of ability and capability would eventually cause issues in their lives. Interestingly enough, this has not occurred. The Lord has made up the difference, and I can see that difference in their lives. When we are doing our part, the Lord truly makes up the difference. May He bless you this week. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do His.